Cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Five-star final, Jay Sam Jones from Dirty South Soccer, Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer, and elsewhere there on the other line. Joe, it's been a second, and I was even replaced for a second, and I was even slandered for a second, completely unbeknownst to me until I actually listened to the show. Uh, So it's been some dark times without me, in my opinion. I'm glad to be back. We we back. We back, right? That's, That's the thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry but that you were slandered. It came out of nowhere. I would have stopped it if I knew it was coming, but you know, things happen in the heat Live of the moment. Live TV, man. Live TV. You never know. You never know. Uh, I am back on a kind of a, a dour note. We go right into an international break with a loss. And I think every single break that we've had this year for Atlanta United has been run into with a loss, it seems like. So we've just gotten to sit with all of them this year. Uh, this one hurts a little bit more uh, somewhat in context just because of the nature of it regarding the team we were playing and the nature of the mentions on Dirty South Soccer after the fact. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, everything else this month, very solid. Joe, we haven't even talked since the U.S. Open Cup win. To me, it doesn't even uh, it doesn't even feel that bad. I was beyond this win or beyond the loss at like two or three seconds after the final whistle. Just put it behind me. That's fair enough. Things have been so good recently. It's just like, it's hard to be that upset about anything in particular that goes on with Atlanta United. The thing that would have made me most upset is if uh, Joseph Martinez had, you know, terribly hurt his knee or something that could never happen. But uh, he had people scared in the game a little bit, but I think it was actually some uh, some pretty, pretty good shithousery going on, trying to waste some time at the end of the Philadelphia Union game. Respect Joseph Martinez for that. Respect but Joseph yeah. Martinez always. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm feeling obviously I'm feeling good. Like, I don't know how you couldn't feel feel pretty good. And I think that even like the thing about the Philadelphia Union game also that kind of helped me feel better about it was that we went on the road without Ezekiel Barco and still played them toe-to-toe you know it was back and forth game if you look at the expected goals it was pretty even um there was nothing not a whole lot to separate the two teams throughout the day it was just you could see the fatigue on on atlanta united so overall i mean i'm feeling i'm feeling fine yeah i mean it's hard it's hard not to with the august that they had you know you come away with with two trophies and that what broke a a seven game winning streak it's kind of a bummer like i said it's tough losing to a team that you're fighting for first place in the conference with, especially when uh, home field advantage is really going to mean a lot this year. I feel like, especially for an Atlanta United team that continues to struggle on the road, but still, uh, you know, you have to be positive, right? We're about positivity on the show, right? We've never said anything negative ever. Have we? (laughs) Well, to your point, it was interesting. I was doing the, uh, community player ratings earlier today, and there were only seventy five responses to to the, to the document, which is way lower than it usually is. And I think that that's kind of sim- is kind of a uh, symbol of you know the fan base is just a little bit tired and worn out. And of course, after a loss, you're not going to get it, you know 
we kind of know from working on the site that you just don't get as much engagement after a loss as you do have a win because people are excited. Unless it's like something crazy happens. In the no, I, I disagree, actually. I think the, the biggest losses have been our highest engagement well, by far. <laughs> oh, I, think, I, think it's just, I think it's just the fatigue of having played all the games and then knowing there's an international break. I think people were just kind of checked out. That's the, That's the impression I got. You also played a soccer game at the same time as the in-state football team. Yeah, so, uh, that's true. Yeah. That's a that's a big one. And it was yeah, just, no. yeah generally the start of the first day of college football season for the most part. Um, yeah, there was just a lot going on that day. So I guess uh, LA United was a little bit under the flying a little bit under the radar, but yeah, low key. Thank God for an international break because it's it's kind of exhausting yeah. this year. It feels like we haven't had one in a long time. We've had two games a week every week. Feels like for a few months now, it's going to be kind of nice to just sit back and I don't know. I may detox to be totally honest. I mean, I may take a step back from it all. Uh, oh yeah. For a little bit. For sure. I mean, I'll, I will kind of do the same thing. I'll, I'll do some stuff to keep some content going on the site, but it won't be anything that's like, I'm not going to be going to training for a week, almost certainly. So um, that will be nice not to have to drive over there. Not that I dislike doing it, but, It'll just be nice to have a have a little bit of a break, not not be doing the the same old thing. I will ask um, about training though. Are our fancy new trophies already set up in, in the foyer there when you walk in? Um, well, we don't get to go into the main building anymore. We just go directly into the uh, the pavilion that's by the show pitch. So last year, the way it worked was they just held media in the lobby of the main building. So we got to see, we got to walk by MLS cup every day and all that stuff. And just, you just, we just hung out there and yeah, now we don't get to go in there. In fact, I can't even remember when's the last time I was in the main building. It may have been for an interview I did with Anderson Asiedu and Amir Bashti, like after, <laughs> after uh, they were drafted. Yeah. So, which it sounds bad. It sounds like, oh man, that's a bummer. But I, I actually kind of like having the pavilion to just be like a media workspace because I always did feel a little bit awkward sit, well, that, sit, like sitting in the lobby while team employees are walking around and stuff. So that is nice, and it's also probably a deterrent to keep people like Harris Kriskich from breaking the door. Yes, to the entrance. A thing that happened once. A thing that happened once. Dirty South Soccer vandalizing Atlanta United's uh, training ground is something that has happened, and that is why our motto isn't on the back of the jerseys yet. <laughs> the only reason. The only reason. Um, Joe, I think the biggest thing to take away from the U.S. Open Cup win that, that happened a couple weeks ago, which, again, we, we haven't really talked since then. Yeah, yeah, we had a lot, of, a lot to catch up on. Is that the, the game was fine. The game was there. The game was very much like Portland last year where it was kind of a a done deal really right like everyone kind of knew the outcome even though minnesota played well and kept it closed and that one dude at the very end who i can't remember his name because he's probably like a duke graduate or something really should have scored really really yeah. should have scored yeah had a sitter there and tied that up but he didn't Atlanta wins it's just the culture now right it's just the culture but the post-game culture as they continue to win these trophies, I think is getting better and better. I think it's getting better and better. What do you mean by post-game culture? I mean, just the general celebrationness of it all, right? Like the players? Like the players and everyone else, right? We, we, such, such commitment to embracing the things they've been given, such as free alcohol 
and parts of trophies that have been somehow dismantled. Things like that. It's Opportunities to put in front of the media. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That is great. That I love it when Joseph or anybody else curses to the media. Always fantastic. And it is funny how I was just hilarious how they had already broken the trophy by the time it was gotten but before it had even gotten to the locker room it was already broken i think somebody dropped it in the uh <laughs> delta lounge or whatever it was and i like yeah people were trying to get video of it and stuff uh while it yeah. was going on like it was a like a riot video and they were getting pushed back by security and things like that like they didn't want to see the the cherished us open cup in pieces right <laughs> uh but anyway yeah the amazing part is there's an amazing video out there of um one of the players walking in with the different sections of it and the celebrations <laughs> just stop and everyone does that thing where they go what the hell did yeah, y'all I do you, i think you could hear gressel go we broke it again <laughs> <laughs> which i think I think uh, MLS Cup, I want to say, was dropped off of like a balcony at Fado when they were celebrating after after uh, after that game. Before, yeah, there's I, think it, I believe this was before it made its way downtown um, to, to a certain club of a certain yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. I, so here's what I want to talk about. I mean, can we get right into the champagne celebration? I think and we have. How, to. Frank DeBoer is just like standing in the corner, just drilling everybody. Like um, he looks angry. I think it's because he has the hat on. You can't really kind of distinguish <laughs> his facial features. And so it looks like he's just like angrily blasting everybody. <laughs> and it reminds me of like, please don't take any of this seriously. I'm just joking around, but it kind of reminds me of like a crazy person. Um, there's a video, there's a home video that my family has of my brother. And we always give him crap about this. We, we, where we is tell, this going? We tell him that he looks like a crazy person because he is, uh, he, it's a home video of him at little league baseball. He's on deck. He takes a few hard rips with the bat and then he turns it around and pretends to, um, use it as, as, as a weapon, like in his imagine in his imagination, he's, he's, you know, He's shooting it like a gun, essentially. And I feel like that's something a crazy person does. And that is like that's that's what came to my mind when Frank DeBoer was just standing in the corner pelting everybody. But it was good to see him doing that to like Pitti Martinez and Pitti laughing and doing it back to him. And it was like, whoo, this is a family again. This is nice. I feel like Frank was actually just trying to discipline everybody. Like everyone was a little too happy for his face. <laughs> And so that was a way yeah. of just kind of like keeping them down. I, I think he was, I don't know, the, the Frank bot didn't really quite comprehend, I think, what was going on. But yeah. that's okay. That's okay. As long as everyone's loving on each other, right? Yeah. I, it's funny. After this, pretty soon after the um, the celebrations, like in the days afterwards, I started seeing more celebrations of like minor league baseball teams qualifying for whatever, like the minor league playoffs or whatever, and them doing champagne celebrations baseball players know how to celebrate with champagne and beer like way better than anybody else. I think they're doing some real crazy stuff. It was pretty, it was pretty tame. I mean, it was fun. Obviously the, I mean, the guys were having a good time with the champagne and all that, but uh, baseball players take it to another level. And I, I also think like nobody had goggles. I saw, like, I don't think anybody was really the players at least like we're anticipating a champagne celebration maybe. So, because mm-hmm. last year they had goggles and this year they didn't. So maybe that's why they were, just being a little easier. I did like LGP came over at one point and sprayed all the media, which was nice of him to just acknowledge our existence in the room. I feel like that was a, you know, 
it was like kind of bringing us into it a little bit, which was fun. It was nice. And I spelled very badly. Yeah. Uh, I was, my phone is still a little sticky and I appreciate it. I, was, I really I, do. I was like a little worried about like making sure I don't speed on the way home. Cause if I got pulled I, over, I my car would just reek. I got a taillight on the back, man. I, I had money <laughs> to fix that thing. I thought I was doomed. <laughs> thought I was doomed, but you know what? All worth it. Yeah. All worth it. The fear and, and consternation on my part. Um, shoot, but yeah. Man. I mean, it was a good one. I also want to say one, one more, one more thing about the champagne. It always is very strange when you see someone that like there was, there was a one shot of DeBoer getting just like someone just poured a, a bo- an entire bottle of champagne on him, just right on top of his head, not spraying it at all. And he's just, he's kind of frozen there. Um, and you don't know if he's like enjoying it or what, but I think that's just the natural reaction when uh, you're getting something very cold dumped on your head, onto your dr- nice dry head for the first time. But it looked funny. It was just really funny to see Frank DeBoer doing a champagne celebration thing because it's, it's so nice. it's, very it's nice. so it's like cool. opposite of his normal character. Then, of course, you also have in the in the background of all these things, Joseph Martinez recording one of the great instagram live sessions of all time the whole thing is about collectively 40 minutes it's kind of <laughs> worth it to go through to be totally honest um i mean just full on bare raw shots of some very naked atlanta united players which is from the back from the back mm-hmm. but Interesting, at the very least. Then you have things like Joseph Martinez saying, where's the bleeping beer and things like that in English. Um, then, of course, Joseph came and talked to us after he might have found the bleeping beer for a few moments, uh, which was amazing because, of course, he takes the opportunity to make uh, Justin Valdez very, very uncomfortable, the Atlanta United translator, by cursing a lot in many languages, multiple languages. Just phenomenal. Joseph Martinez, the, the MVP of Atlanta United for, for so many, so many reasons. The man, he loves beer. I'll, I'll never forget after MLS Cup, him doing his, pre- he had to do a post-match press conference in the press conference room where the coach usually does it. And, you know, so he was getting lots of questions since he was just sat up there and there was no one really to stop any of the reporters. And after a while, Guzan walked in because he was going to be next and he was just standing in the back with a Bud Light and Joseph just pointed at him and goes, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone turned around and looked at Gazan. It was funny. But yeah, all around a good night. And I think uh, one more thing, but like just about the game, kind of circle us back to Atlanta United is, um, you know, Mason Toy scored a freaking amazing brace last night against LAFC. Um, just incredible. And he looks like he could be on a, a quick rise uh, as a player. Um, he's an American player, so he could be with the U.S. men's national team. Somewhat soon, if he keeps performing. Miles Robinson had him in his damn pocket in that game. He was incredible. I just thought, I, I just, I keep coming away more and more and more impressed with Miles Robinson every time I see him. It's really just crazy. And as good as he is, there are things that you can do that can keep him from having to do too much. Like, for example, maybe after three years we could have learned that Jeff Florinowitz at center back is a sketchy decision at best. <laughs> yeah. Look, 
We know, like, I get people are rotating. I get there were certain things that are happening, blah, 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 blah. We're going into a two-week break as well, though. And it seemed like other people were available. And Frank said afterward that he started Lorenowitz because he liked how he pressed forward in the game as a center back last year or something. And I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know if it changes a three-run result, but... You know what? Yeah. I'm still questioning it. I mean, to me, what that really says is that, like, Michael Parkhurst is probably not going to play again (laughs) in in a consequential game. Like, I can't see it because that would have been the time, right, to play him. Um, And I don't even remember when's the last game he did play, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I have no idea. No idea. Maybe in CONCAP Champions League, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. So, um too bad. I mean, it's a, he's a great guy. I, I love talking to him. When he talks to the media, he gives amazing quotes. He's extremely honest, maybe too honest at times. He's like, he, I feel like he's at that stage of his career and same with Jeff where it's like, they can just say whatever the hell they damn want, whatever they want. And it's uh like, they're not worried about anything coming back on them. No, it's just, uh, there's the, at that stage. So I, I like in, uh, interacting with, with Parky, but I, I feel bad. He might not play another, again, meaningful game. Maybe he'll get like a, like a send off a testimonial appearance almost like if things are clinched or whatever at the end of the regular season, who knows? Something will definitely be clinched. Yes. Um, I want to, uh, at some point, and I may have shared it already, but I don't think I have, I want to share in public the, my favorite Parker story. And I'm just going to tease it like that. And it was probably something I wasn't supposed to hear, but I was there and I heard it. So I, I'm going to hold on to it until he retires. Damn. And well, now I'm that. dying to hear. You know it. Oh, do you I? It. You, were, you were in the general area anyway. Okay. You know it. Um, but yeah, no, even still, even still, the, the body of evidence is so very, very there that playing Jeff at center back, even at a back three, is just not the move. I don't, I'm sure they've won a game or two with him there, but it never seems to work mm-hmm. out well. Let's just stop doing it. Let's just all agree to not do it. Okay. Okay. Well, it's, it, again, it's one of those things we've talked about on this show before, but it, it reminds me of like when we've talked about how sometimes fans may know the team a little bit better, like the personnel, how things might work a little bit better than a coach who doesn't, you know, is, is new to the team. Obviously Frank DeBoer as well, you know, knows these guys very well at this point, but with some of these players that haven't played as much like Jeff Lorenowitz and stuff, um, you know, maybe he doesn't quite know them as well, know their games as well and how they can help the team as well. So yeah, I think that that was one where it's like I, I his days as a center back are just, they're done. But not his that days. Sounded terrible. That sounded yeah, like, no. no, he's still going to show uh, up. He's it's not, it's not a, it, it, yeah. It's amazing. I should say it's it's incredible that Lorenowitz is performing at the level he still is at this stage in his career. Like I, I was going back to look at it a little bit ago after the Campionas Cup again. We talked about him after that game too, but just to like see how long his career has been, how many games he's played. I mean, we don't even talk about it anymore, but he's like the third most uh he has like the third most games appearances of um any outfield player in MLS history. Um might even be second. Anyway, it's just incredible uh, how he's still he's still an asset. Like I might I don't like him at center back, but I definitely like him as a defensive midfielder. Um, 
in the right in the right spots. And I think that, you know, that's incredible. And I think with both Lorenowitz and Parkers and Frank DeBoer has mentioned this, they're just important for the team in terms of their leadership and their, you know, <laughs> well, there was one game where Frank DeBoer told, uh, gave Lorenowitz the instruction to go coach the team <laughs> on the field. Which, I mean, eventually it's going to happen, right? Like, Jeff is the next guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, that's probably true. In my head. I, I hadn't really thought about it like that, like literally. But yeah, you probably, I would, I would be surprised if he doesn't. Well, like, he's either going to coach or go into stocks. So, like, <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, but I mean, it reminds me of I saw Boca Negra. So the day after the U.S. Open Cup final, I went to the Atlanta United two game and there is Boca Negra there when I'm leaving the parking lot, the dark ass parking lot at like, you know, 1030 at night or whatever. There's Boca Negra talking to somebody. I feel like Jeff is like that, too. They're just addicted to soccer. They can't get away from it. They can't get enough of it. I agree. A little type A, a little, maybe a little too much. Maybe, maybe like, you know, fill out a little bit, but no, no, he's just a machine. He's just not going to stop. <laughs> uh, speaking of players, not stopping during this international break, uh, Joe, a whole lot of international call-ups on this team, uh, except for one dude staying back, but still, I mean, Kazan, Robinson, Merrim, Barco, Bello, and George Campbell, all getting call-ups of some variety. Yeah, it sounds good. like Barco will stay back. Looks like it, yeah. Uh, I think and I think Frank confirmed as much in the post game comments. Yeah, as well. yeah. Uh, which is great. Like, good luck. He needs the rest, you know. Like <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see Barco travel nine hours on a flight to go play with the uh, the youth team in Argentina. So that's good that he's staying. Um, it was kind of shocking to me to see George Campbell called up to the U20 team. I mean, that's a huge credit to him. And I think it also was a little bit of a testament to the fact that Atlanta probably has a lot of connection to the U.S. men's national team because you have guys like Carlos Bocanegra at the top who can help facilitate some of these things. But it's not like he didn't get there on his own merit. Um, you know, George Campbell has been a very solid, reliable backline player on the back line for Atlanta United, too. So, Tons of credit go to him. And then it was funny to see Bella with the U-17s. It's like, oh, yeah, you forget that he's <laughs> he's 17 years old. <laughs> it's wild. And, of course, Campbell only 18, I believe. So, I mean, that, that's huge yeah. for him to jump up a couple levels and very encouraging for what the future of this academy and the homegrowns yeah, could I mean, be, hopefully, right? Yeah, I mean, we just wa- or a lot of us watched the U.S. men's national team over the summer, the U-20 World Cup. And like that's a high level. You know, U twenty is is a is a pretty high level. Obviously, this isn't going to be a World Cup, but still, like that's that's really good for someone like him. And it's good to see those call ups for someone who hasn't even you know he's signed his homegrown player deal that will kick in at on January first. But you know, for someone who hasn't even played in MLS yet, that's pretty impressive to to get that to be noticed like that. It is, and we've seen that once. These young guys do get their opportunities in MLS. They can take off if everything kind of goes right. And everything has gone right for Miles Robinson, who gets his very, very, very much deserved first national team call up. Thank God Greg finally listened to everyone in Atlanta just screaming at him to take him up there. Uh, And he'll have a teammate with him, too, in Brad Gazan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited for that. Um, 
if, if I could just plug something, I think there will be something coming out from me this week on Miles Robinson on MLSsoccer.com. Um, I've actually had this story for a long time, but there hasn't really been a reason to release it. So I was, I've talked to his family and just hopefully the story gives people a little bit better background on who Miles Robinson is, because that was the reason I wanted to do the story. Cause I feel like nobody really knows. Like we see, we know who he is as a soccer player. That's not what this is about. You know, it's about like where the hell he, did he come from? You know, like how, how was this guy in the super draft? <laughs> and now right. two years later, he's on the U S men's national team, you know, after playing, two years at Syracuse or whatever. So um, yeah, hopefully people enjoy that. Keep a look at, keep an eye out for that. I don't know exactly when it's going to come out, but it should be coming out on MLS soccer this week. Yep. Everyone go check out MLS.com. MLS.com. Also, I want to say that the, the, the retrospectives on that, uh, that super draft class for Atlanta are going to be incredible. Five, 10 years from now, just absurd. I know we talk about it a lot with Gressel and Robinson coming in at the same time, just randomly from a thing that won't exist in three years. It's, it's amazing. We need to consider that more. Yeah, for well, for sure. I mean, I've talked, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, but you know, when you want to win MLS Cup, or if you're going to win MLS Cup, you really need someone like a Julian Gressel on the team where you're paying them <laughs> because now nah, I hate to put it in his blunt terms. Cause you know, Gressel deserves a lot more with the way he's played, but you know, the way this league is you're on a salary cap structure. So you really need players overperforming the way he has. And when you have someone on a hundred K or whatever Gressel's on that is performing at like near DP levels, like, that's what you need to win titles in this league. And it's the same with LAFC this year. They've got players like um, Mark Anthony Kay and those types of guys who are giving them great performances, who have turned into really great players, you know, from, from nowhere and they're not really paying them so much. So you kind of need those guys. And I think Robinson is a guy who is in a similar vein, obviously to Gressel, but was on a little bit more of a delayed track. So you got the great production from Gressel when you needed them in year one and year two of the franchise. And now you're sort of starting to reap the rewards of a guy like Miles Robinson in year three. So it's just giving you a lot more runway for this, you know, this fledgling organization. It's, it's kind of hard to believe this club has not even finished its third season yet, but um, yeah, those guys have been super important. Did you mention Mark Anthony K? By the way, I did. <laughs> yeah, amazing, amazing. That LAFC team is, is just a little good. I Atlanta, love Mark Anthony K. He's amazing, dude. Unreal. Um, I, I will say that it's amazing that Atlanta has been able to get these players, and at times still look slow and lethargic. Maybe. Mm, what like? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, I get, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, this is in reference to Bobby Warshaw's column. Yeah, no, I want to fight about this. Let's do it. Because we always agree. We agree on way too much shit on this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I agree <laughs> with. But that's um, a longer discussion. Um, so if y'all didn't see it, um, I don't want to call out too much here. But there was some discussion going on about, to be quite frank, a weird-ass column <laughs> that Bobby Warshaw wrote on a Friday asking which team was the next LAFC. And his answer was 
Atlanta United, um, <laughs> which <laughs> even saying it out loud, it still sounds just patently insane. But I, I think his larger idea was who can be the next team to absolutely just run through MLS, right? Which Atlanta did for the most part last year, save for one other team that eventually blew it, right? And Red Bulls. It's mm-hmm. a weird way to phrase it. It was a very strange way to frame it. It trickled out, and folks with Atlanta United were annoyed by it, somewhat understandably, <laughs> because it was weird. I forgot um, about that. Very much yeah. Had time for it that day for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, the, the larger discussion center out, centered around this idea that Atlanta was slow and lethargic at the beginning of the year and is now working their way out of it. But some took offense to that slow and lethargic uh, characterization despite Atlanta's record at the time. And Atlanta's record has been good. But I also very much think that a characterization as as slow and lethargic is is very much in line with what we were all saying at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember early in the season, I was one of the ones kind of, you know, really not giving any consideration to this whole DeBoer out thing. But the reason I always stated for that was because we just hadn't seen enough. Like there wasn't enough of a sample at that, at that stage of the season to make such a determination. And um, the more games that were played and the more kind of turgid performances that were put in, you know, the, that idea, not, not that I'd ever thought that he like definitely should be fired or anything, but, but it was starting to cross my mind. I remember whispering to you before that Houston game when they actually, that was, it's funny now thinking about that, that was the start of this like Titanic turnaround that they had. But I remember when Albert Felice got that red card in the sixth minute, I kind of nudged you and I was like, dude, if they don't win this game, (laughs) it's going to be really bad because they, I mean, they just weren't looking good at all. And um, fortunately, you know, they were in the, the, they changed the formation for that game and they, you know, just looked way better. But, you know, I was thinking at that time that there was some some reason to be concerned about his future because the team was not looking good. So I understand that just from from my perspective, I just always kind of anticipated the team not functioning well when he came in uh, to start the season, because that's just typically what happens with new teams, um, especially a team that has been coached by someone together you know as a collective and then they're transitioning they all have to transition to hearing another voice and hearing some different things there's just going to be stumbling blocks come along with the way uh come along with that which is why i predicted this team to finish fourth place in the east go ahead (laughs) you did i still hate you for that it can be (laughs) both true that this team looked slow and lethargic beginning of the year and now that they are very much out of it and also that they are very likely the second best team in MLS as much as, as people like Warshaw or just Warshaw in general don't want to admit. Um, I, I think that's even still true with the loss to, to Philly. Uh, I think that's just going to be how everything kind of shakes out this year. Um, yeah. But of course, I mean, they're, they're still very much behind LAFC who for my money is the single best team in, in MLS history at this point. There's no shame in being second. And that. that's where I disagree. That's that's where we have our disagreement right there. 
But why? <laughs> because I think that you heard similar things said about Atlanta United last year before they had won a trophy. And I think that you just have to validate however good you are in the regular season. Like you have to back that up. I do like, I agree that LAFC is, is putting together the best regular season of all time. You know, I guess we could, you know, when you, we could look at it purely qualitatively and be like, you know, just look at the style, look at the way they play, look at, you know, just, just watch, look at, and, and you'll see that they're, you know, what other team has played in this way. And I guess there you have, uh, you know, there's an argument there, but it's hard to really have a substantial argument because you just can't, you know, everybody has their own subjective viewpoint on things, but I don't know. I just feel like you have to have proven something by, winning a competition because that's what sports are all about is to is about well at least like organized sports and leagues are about winning that league and are the are LASC are well on their way to doing that but they haven't done it yet and they could have already won the US Open Cup but they didn't win that one so you know they're not infallible they're not infallible but I think if we want to talk about looking at it qualitatively we can also look at it quantitatively pretty easily at this point with a gold differential gold differential of 48 and 73 goals for and all these other things that kind of go into it that that separate them from literally everyone else in the pack including that Atlanta team last year including that Red Bulls team last year including Toronto a couple of years ago right it's just such a big difference and Joe, we, we lie to we, we lie to ourselves in America a lot. We lie to ourselves in this country a lot about things like Stevie Wonder being blind and Bird being real. <laughs> Larger discussion. But I think one of the biggest is that these end of season tournaments are the best way to determine a champion, right? For some sports, it's going to work fine because you can have a large enough base of evidence for it. Like if you play a seven game series, you're normally going to find the best team out of that. Mm. Right. In mm. football, single games can definitely determine who the better team is just because of the way the sport shakes out. But there are things such as very popular things, such as the NCAA tournament and other similar things that maybe are not definitely are not the best predictors of teams actually being a champion. Uh, I, I don't see how, Winning a single game tournament for LAFC really, really validates them in any way because the format is so minimal, right? Like there is so much, there is that very large element of luck involved. I mean, you can win MLS Cup even when there wasn't single elimination without having a single goddamn shot on goal during a game, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't think that Seattle team was better than Toronto that year. And I don't see why LAFC needs that qualifier, to be quite okay. honest. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's a valid viewpoint to have. I mean, that would certainly fall into, you know, you're you're in line with that supporter shield is the bigger trophy to win than MLS Yeah, Cup. unless we don't win it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So I guess my question would be, like, let's say LAFC and Atlanta United are in the ML- in MLS Cup final and Atlanta beats them. Uh, would that mean that LA- – would, would Atlanta still be – aspiring to be LAFC, even though they just beat them in a final. I, I actually, I don't even, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to, because it's, it's a hypothetical. It's very far off, but no, I don't I know. It's just like, they would be inspired to be that, right? 
Like, because LAFC is going to put themselves in the single best position to win this thing, even if they somehow magically don't, right? And that's what you should aspire to, is to be in the single best position to win this thing, right? Which is hosting the MLS Cup. And, you know, a one-off game like that, you know, isn't going to determine the entire scope of what that team has done and really how they've changed what we think an MLS team can do with the salary cap. All right. I mean, it's, it's really unprecedented, honestly. The numbers they're putting up this season are unprecedented for sure. I'm not, I definitely don't dispute that at all. It's it, actually, it's like kind of impossible <laughs> to dispute. That. <laughs> I just think that the, I just think that the game is, uh, you know, I just think that it's, this game is about, Winning the trophies, and I, I, you know, they do get they get a trophy for doing what they've done. Um, they will surely win Sporter Shield and surely have the the best regular season point total and goal differential and all that stuff of all time. But I just feel like, you know, until they win, I don't know. I, I, I see. I'm. I guess I'm from the opposite camp. I, I, I would like to think that, like, I want to be the guy that thinks that Sporter Shield is the bigger trophy, the better trophy to win but I just don't <laughs> like after, after going through MLS cup last year and just seeing the spectacle that it is and like all the emphasis be, that the league puts behind the whole playoffs and, and all the whole, the fanfare that was MLS cup week, you know, they, it's like they're it's the super bowl. It's like, it's, it's the super bowl for MLS. And to me, that's the pinnacle of what teams are trying to achieve in the, in, in this league. Not in the sport, but in this league, it to me it's different. So, Joe, we're missing the larger point here. What's that? Tennessee lost to Georgia State. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>